beautiful altar that is. Well, if you will grab your Bibles, we are in Joshua chapter 4 this morning. And before I get to that, we're going to dismiss the kids. Usually we have the VeggieTales songs and all that, but Nicole is going to take uh, the kids out and do a lesson outside with them. So whoever wants to go can join them. Excellent. And next week we will definitely dismiss the kids because it'll be a PG-13 sermon. If you read ahead, you'll understand why. So, Well, let's get into the book of Joshua. It's weird seeing people in front of me preaching um, as I'm preaching the Word. Usually I'm over in the other room with the backdrop because it's a lot easier to pull off one room than this room and so forth. So um, I'll have to see how this goes. I mean, I, I don't know. Can, can you, it's, is it like riding a bike? You just jump on and go? Okay, you got to give me some feedback. I, I'm like looking at the camera or something here. Okay, thank you. Well, I have to say that uh, uh, I, I appreciate Bob over here. Um, he humbled me this morning. He walked up to me and goes, Hey, I heard that your son uh, caught uh, bigger fish than you on your fishing trip. So I appreciate that, Bob. Put me in my place. Brandon, uh, we, we did the family mission trip. Uh, we couldn't go to Canada, but we did go up to Minnesota a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were uh, fishing with the family and all that, and he came up with a 21-and-a-half-inch 20, walleye. I'll have to show some pictures uh, here this next week. He'll be all excited about me putting them up. I'll have to do it early in the service so he can actually see those. So, Well, let's get into the Word this morning. Let's review where we're at in the book of Joshua, because we need to get our minds back into the story so the Lord can reveal to us what he wants us to learn today. If you remember in chapter 3, Israel is at the Jordan. They're on the edge of the water. The, uh, the water's at the flood stage. Uh, uh, you know, there's uh, about two football fields length to go across the Jordan at this point, they estimate. And, and they're, I mean, it's running about 10 miles per hour and stuff. If, if you, they've studied all this kind of stuff. I didn't study it. They did. Uh, this, you know, so I'm just trusting it. But I don't, I don't know if you've ever been in water that's moving pretty quick. I mean, 10 miles per hour doesn't sound like a big deal. Well, in a car, it's not a big deal unless you're in front of the car. You know what I'm saying? Um, same thing with the river. The river can take you pretty good. And it would have been deep. So the children of Israel are on this edge. And they're able to see the land that Moses never got to. But in between the promise that they've been given... And the promise that they're fixing to receive is a big, stinking river. I mean, it's there. So they camp out and they sit for three days. And they start to realize that without God, there is no way they're going to get to the other side. And that's an important point, without God. And we talked about this last week uh, uh, online. And, and, but they started to realize that their faith had to be built and oftentimes we get to these impossible situations and we turn to God and recognize that He is the one that's in control. Do you feel like He is the one that's in control? I mean, right now, no one's in control, right? Except for God Himself. We have no idea what's going to happen. We, I mean, this is 2020. You know, the, they keep saying, well, it's 2020. You know, what else is going to happen? You know, what's next? Well, God knows what's next, He is still in control. After three days, God says, go. 
and he lets the priest carry the ark out into the water. And we joked around about the, you know, last week, I, th I think I joked around about this, about the, the ark floating away, you know, I mean, what the priests drop it, you know, are they a little afraid, is it going to float away, all those things, you know. But the truth of the matter is that God is leading them, and they will get across just fine. They just don't know that yet. Now, a side note to all this is Israel is in a good place right now, I tell you, and they need to enjoy that good place. When you get to a good place, things are going good, don't sit there and think, okay, well, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm just waiting for, you know, enjoy that time when God gives you that rest. Enjoy that time when God has you in a great place. And, and enjoy the presence of God. Enjoy the blessings of God. And Israel is kind of doing that. And, you know, this way, uh, there's a way to get to the promised land, but it involves going across this river, and that's it. They don't see any, anything else here. One of the few things or one of the few times is when they're really in tune with the Lord. They're all there in the leadership. There's no second guessing about what's going on. And it tells them something very significant. In fact, the leadership tells them this uh, right before this. They tell them, purify or sanctify or consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So the leadership tells them this is going to happen. And we stopped right there and we thought about what that means. What it means to be set apart. What it means to be, to be made holy. What it means to, 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 to cleanse ourselves. For the Jews, it's, it's a ritual tradition, but for a Christian, it's a, it's a little different. It's like when we take communion or spending time you know, at a retreat for the Lord. My wife and I have been talking about that, that maybe once all this is over, uh, maybe we do a retreat up to, to Yosemite or something like that. I've done that before. We rent a conference room out there and everybody get their own place. And we go up there and just enjoy God's nature and have a couple of teachings, you know, maybe in the morning and late afternoon. That way everybody can enjoy God's creation during the day. But to, but to you know, spend some time apart with the Lord. Anytime we spend with the Lord, it's, it's purifying us. It takes away the baggage. It takes away the things of the world. Our only job in the process is this. What we sang about this morning. To openly come to the Lord. That is our job. Our job is not to cleanse ourselves before we come. Our job is not, to not get the, you know, all our ducks in a row before we come to the Lord. Our job is not to, to, to pretty ourselves up before we come to the Lord, though we do appreciate it when, you know, coming to church and stuff. But our job is to come to the Lord, plain and simple. Boy, we complicate that. Man. Then we just tell Him our sin and we let Him deal with it. And the Lord does the cleansing part. Ironically, we kind of relate this to a new Christian, but who is he talking to here? He's talking to a nation that has been with him for a long time, meaning that there was things that these guys needed cleansing. It's a good reminder for us that's been around church for a while. You know, all these things kind of build up and we forget. And, and, and you know, there are times when we, we have to be cleansed again. Old habits kind of creep back into our life or, or old things or maybe something new you've let slip. Or, you know, you know, these things that just kind of creep into our lives. And the Lord asks us to be willing to allow Him to come into our lives again. And I don't mean to be resaved. Don't, don't get me wrong here. I'm not trying to say that. 
but to clean out the closets. You know, we started that process uh, in the spring when it was nice and cool, you know, cleaning out the garage, cleaning out the, cro- uh, uh, the closets and all that, but we kind of put it on hold when the temperature hit 105, 110, you know. So we got to start that process again around our house because we're trying to clean up some stuff, right? Well, we need to come to the Lord and do the same thing. Allow Him to clean up. Stuff just seems to collect. Well, Israel does this for 24 hours. Then he has them take the focus, you know, through this process, they take the focus off themselves and on to the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, because they'd never seen the Ark. So they follow the Lord, uh, you know, right into this rushing river toward this impossible situation. Now, how many of us would choose to do this? Hey, let me go running out in the middle of the river, right? Okay, no daredevils whatsoever. Grayson, is Grayson in here? He'd be raising his hand if he was listening, but he's back there with his iPad. I know he is. He'd be like, yeah, that's me. But many of us don't run toward an impossible situation. But we have sanctified ourselves, cleaned up, and now we're following the Lord. The Lord has sanctified us, and we're following. And our focus stays on the Lord, and He leads them into a miracle because the Lord did not tell them that the ground was going to dry up. They knew the water was going to stop, but they didn't know the ground was going to dry up. So they stepped in, and something is going to happen. And the priest took these steps of faith for Israel. And this kind of relates this to the modern church. The leadership has to take steps of faith. And we think, well, I, you know, I'm glad it's them and, and not me. But then we start reading in the New Testament, and we come across the book of Philippians, and we start to find out, oh, wait, you mean I'm a priest of the Lord also? You mean I'm a priest? I, you know, let's, let's equate that to, to modern words that we use. I'm a pastor also. Oh, but, but I haven't gone for the school. I haven't gone through the education. I haven't done this. Well, guess what? You still represent the Lord. That's what Philippians says. We are all sanctified through him. We all have him in us. So therefore, we became his priest. So if you're a priest in the New Testament era, you know, what are you going to have to do is you're going to have to step into the water. You're going to have to take that step of faith, not knowing exactly what is going to happen. Corinthians says that we all carry that presence of God, not the temple priest. So we all get wet, in a sense, in our steps of faith. You know, these are big steps. Have you ever taken a big step? And then later on, you look back and you go, okay, that really wasn't a big step. I thought it was a huge step, but, but in all reality, you kind of laugh about it and go, that wasn't a big step. But at the time, it was huge, you know, it was big. And after you, seek, or after you see the Lord start working, you have a different perspective. In a few days, these same people, they'll be marching around Jericho, and they will seem, this will seem like such a small thing in the past. You see, God is always going to take us through a Jordan and through the Jordan River to prepare us for Jericho. Now, are you listening about that? God is going to take us through a Jordan River. He's going to take us through a time, a testing of our faith before we get to Jericho. It's about preparation. We're going to laugh when we freaked out about the, the Jordan River. But we're not ready for Jericho until we've crossed the Jordan. 
God is always preparing us for the things that we're going to go through next. He's preparing us for that next thing. And we can't even imagine it at the time. Because when we're at the time, we feel like we're buried in the middle of the river. We're just like, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know? Sometimes these things, it seems like these things come in threes. You know, it's never one thing. God takes us through a thing to get us to the next part. You see, the thing that we're going through right now usually has to do or has nothing to do with right now. But we're so focused. We're so just like, you know, we got the hat on. We're not looking. We're, we're looking at, at what we're supposed to be looking at, you know. And God's sitting there going, but I have a bigger picture. It's not about the now. I'm preparing you for the later. He's developing that spiritual muscle. And we have to go through the Jordan because once we see the river, and then we're a part of it, and we see we're on dry ground, and then, then, you know, then we're like, okay, now it's time to go. I can move forward. Well, as my uncle says, I take about, he, he told me on, on our fishing trip, and he watches sometimes, so I'll do a shout out for him, but uh, he, he says, Alan, if you preach for over 20 minutes, you're preaching to yourself. Um, so I told him that the first 20 minutes is for so-and-so, and the second 20 minutes is for somebody else. So there you go. So that's where we're at. Well, let's get into the Lord. Um, chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed for the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. This is a great thing about the, the book of Joshua. It is very clear. Anytime you see something repeated, you need to slow down and listen to it. This is, the Word of God is like this. If, if something's repeated a couple of times, you need to slow down. And, you know, what is it trying to say to us? These stones are to be a memorial for the, to the people of, uh, of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of Israelites. And the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with their, them to their camp, where they put them down. Verse 19, we're going to skip down to verse 19. On the tenth day of the, month, uh, of the first month, the people went up to Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up uh, Gilgal, the 12, uh, at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan, he said to the Israelites, In the future when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So you see the repeating going on here. Verse 23, For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until he had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the, uh, did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when it had dried up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful 
and so that as might all so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Okay, well let's back up and and uh, look at some of these. If I got off on my screen, Lisa, you're going to have to correct it. But but let's look back up and look at a few of these phrases. Joshua called together twelve men, and he appointed them, and said. You, each 12, you represent each tribe, and you need to grab a big rock to set up, uh, you know, like a, like a stack of rocks to remember this by. So Joshua sends the men down, you know, the tribe of Judah and Reuben and Issachar, and, and each one, you know, they go back into the river, and they grab these rocks, and the priests are still standing in the, in the middle and, and with the ark on their shoulders. And you can imagine, how long does it take to get, you know, anywhere from one to four million people you know, because they always counted the men back then. Don't blame me. It's just the way they did it. And so anywhere estimate one to four million people across a river. I mean, you know, it's hard to get a group of 10 to stay on schedule. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it took a while. And these guys are holding it. You know, I mean, what did they see? They saw the water go away and there's no more water coming. The dr- ground is drying up instantly. This should have taken weeks to, to dry up. And Israel walks across. Probably had the, you know, had the guys, you know, in the orange vest directing them this way. Okay, you are awake. Good, I'm glad. But the priests are still out there. And Joshua sends these, sends these 12 guys back up to pick up the rocks that represent the 12 tribes. How long did it take? Kind of like picking out a pumpkin, Right. No, no, I don't like that one. Oh, no, no, no. This one's better. Oh, but, but I, I see that one. You know, a kid in a candy store trying to pick out the, the right piece of candy when mom says you can have one, you know? And he touches 15 to get the one. The same thing's going on here. I mean, women, they're going to pick the one with the nice coloring on the rocks, right? But the guys, what do they pick? The big one, right? Because we're men. That's just what we do. Ooh, I like that one. Oh, but you got a bigger one. Let me, let me keep looking. You know, when, Can- when we were in Canada, Brandon and his cousin Zach, I dropped them off on this little island in the middle of the lake. It was awesome. See you later. I backed out. They thought I was going to leave, you know. Um, it was a lot of fun. But they, they got out and explored this little island in the middle of the lake, and, and they start taking rocks and skipping rocks. Well, next thing I know, they're grabbing bigger and bigger rocks, seeing if they can skip them. And they got like this 12-inch rock that is about an inch and a half thick, and they're throwing it out in the water to see if it'll skip across the water. Because that's how guys are, right? Let's see if the bigger one, if that'll work. That's exactly what's happening. You know, the priest, hey, you know, the priest could imagine, hey, guys, can you, can you just hurry up? This thing's getting heavy, you know? Around the campfire that night, the priests are, are drying their shoelaces, and the 12 guys are, you know, whose backs are, are hurting. But think about this. This monument isn't that big. Only as big as the rocks that the men could carry. How big is the monument that 12 Jewish guys can carry out to the middle of the river? See, God is so different than us. Twin towers fall down, tragedy 9-11. What do we do? We build back a tower that's 1,776 feet tall. Right? 
what type of monument would you do if God did a miracle like this? I mean, as humans, we, we'd build a huge monument, right? But God says, take some rocks, put it out in the middle of the river. You have this little monument far away from, from, from the sides of the river. And, and, and the, you know, it looks so tiny out there in the middle. This monument is for God. Had 12 individual guys walk out and grab 12 individual rocks that represent the 12 individual tribes. God is saying He knows and He cares about these individuals. God doesn't see a couple of million people. He sees the individuals that are there and He knows their names. It's also interesting that the Lord used what we call polished rocks. And what do I mean by polished? Well, they were in the river, and river rocks kind of get, you know, they bang against each other, and they become polished, kind of rounded edges and so forth. And the Lord is, is taking river rock and putting it out on land also. So he has the Israelites build one in the river that, that only is for God, and then he takes them, has another one built that, that's, you know, that, that a river rock that's out on the land. Now, why would he do this? Well, the smooth rock is out on the land where it shouldn't be, Right? So people are going to go, what are these doing out over here? And little inquisitive Johnny wants to know why they're there. And the family tells the stories over and over and over as they walk by those rocks. Do you have family stories you tell? Every time we go to Canada, I mean, we tell the same stories every year. And we're like, oh good, a new person, we can tell them the stories, you know? Oh, it's fun too. I mean, there was, okay, no, I, I better stop. I'll, I'll start telling stories. Well, okay, I'll tell one. So, in the boat fishing, and I wasn't on this trip, but man, it was, to, to hear it is hilarious. This is before I started going every year. Um, There's one guy that, that I was always set in the middle of the boat. You know, you had three people sometimes in a boat, and he would, uh, he had a lot of line out with his lure, and he would cast a lot. But he'd leave like this much line out. Well, when you do that, you throw the rod back, you know, there goes the lure like this, you know, and it's flying all over. The other guys are like, dude, calm down with that, you know. So he takes it out and he goes like this and he goes like that. He, I mean, he was going to cast long. The problem is the barb caught the back of his head right in the little fleshy part. Should I, should I, not, should I stop here? So they're out on the boat and they're like, well, we need to help him. So, well, we got to cut the, to get the bar out, we got to cut the, you know, the fishing lure off, you know, so they took some pliers and, and cut the metal piece. But, but the problem was they weren't holding it, so it sucked right into his head. You know what I'm saying? So then they get back to shore, and they had to cut open his head and pull it out and all that kind of stuff and stitch back together, and they stayed fishing, okay? That's, so I, I won't go into too many, but there's all sorts of stories, you know, you, you get these family stories of my dad falling out, you know, out of the boat and in the, in the lake and why did he have we're, we're like flying to a lake and no one is out on the lake I mean we, we're the only ones there for the week why does he have his wallet in his pocket as he flips the boat and there he goes my uncle comes in well anyway so anyway I mean you have these family stories and this is what these rocks out on the land are going to be for is those stories you know your kids will ask later it says here in the future when your children ask what do these stones mean? 
Tell them the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and the stones to be a memorial for the people of Israel forever. You know, it's a God-given gift for, for a little kid to ask why. And why. And why. And why. Right? Until you get so irritated, you're like, go ask mom. Okay? You know, just... But, you know, but after the 13th, why? Because they want, they want to know. They want to know what's going on. Every nation would know, including the kids that walk by this. And it says that they will fear the Lord. Now, in verse 9, it says, you'll have to figure it out, Lisa. I'm in verse 9. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and there they are to this day. So again, we talked about they had the, the one in the river and the one on land. So, so there's two monuments, a public monument and a private monument. No command from the Lord to, you know, to do this at all. It's like he just wanted to worship. He just wanted some time to go out there, and this is what he did. doesn't say he had help on the one in the, in the middle of the river. You know, we don't know like to think that Joshua kind of did this by himself on that one. Some would say, wow, what a waste of time. What a big waste of time to do this. It doesn't matter. It's for the Lord. That's between him and the Lord. Joshua is worshiping the Lord. He's not doing this so others can come back to him and see it. This is between him and God. And I, you know, I know where it's at, and I'll remember it. I can imagine him coming to Gilgal with his family and telling the story to his kids and his grandkids. And showing the monument out on land, but then going, but I put a monument out there too. And telling, and, you know, handing down those. My wife and I have had the privilege to, to travel some. And we didn't really start traveling a lot until we were in our 30s. And, and you know, it's one reason why I'm always talking about Hawaii. You know, I love it, but, but everyone gets a good laugh about it. But first of all, it hardly costs us anything to go, rental car and food and stuff. But, but you know the real reason we go there? It's one of the few places that we can go and forget about everything else. We need places like that. Believe me when I'm saying I'm always thinking about church. I'm always thinking about all the projects I need to get done and, and all this stuff that, that, and we need to get done and, and all that. But, you know, wake up in the middle of the night thinking about this and that and I have to write it down or put it in my phone uh, so I can stop thinking about it. But when we go to Hawaii, for some reason, my mind just go, you know, goes blank. <clears throat> I focus on the wonders that God has made. I can understand Joshua building the monument to God in the middle of the river. Uh, you know, we, we always kind of go to the same place, and it still amazes me. And the Lord says, uh, that's right, Alan, enjoy my creation. Now learn to do that when you go back home, too. So when I pick up a lava rock and bring home, <gasps> You know, you're not supposed to do that, apparently. I don't know. But the Lord is allowing me, when I see those rocks around my house and out in my garden in different places, it reminds me I need to relax and worship the Lord anywhere and everywhere. It's so cool for the children of Israel across the Jordan. They'd been there before. The adults were the ones who had already walked through the Red Sea as children. And this would have brought all that back. These little ones had walked through that. They had experienced something like this. 
and they told the stories over and over to their kids. And now their kids get to experience going across a river also. They would have been brought back to that same feeling, that same place, uh, you, know, but, but, you know, that mental place where the Lord had saved them, but this time the Lord is bringing them into promise. This time the priests had to get their feet wet. And also, as soon as they cross, they're fixing to go to war. They're fixing to be attacked. We don't know exactly where this was on the rivers. Possibly the people of Jericho could actually see them crossing the river from the top of the wall. We don't know the exact point. But the enemy doesn't attack because they are afraid, because they see what's going on. They understand. Right when we feel vulnerable in the middle of God's leading, our tendency would be to retreat back. But God can part the waters and He can certainly hold off that enemy. If God can part that water, we don't have to be afraid of the enemy of our soul. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power and love and sound mind. We need to take the fear out of our lives. Therefore, when I'm walking through something where it is low and the water might return and and I feel like I might be drowned and I have to get through this, it even says the children of Israel hurried across. I love that. They hurried. And we understand that once we cross, we have to battle to gain the promise. And the interesting thing is God is already over there and he's dealing with it. It says, do not be afraid. Remember the first couple of chapters? Everyone, including you know, God, is telling Joshua, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Look at Joshua kind of grown up here. He's kind of, you know, he's become God's leading man, you know, and becoming the, the leader that God is calling him to be. At the beginning, do not be afraid from God and the people. Now he's leading them and he's going, I'm not afraid. <clears throat> now at the time, it's okay to be fearful. And he took it to the Lord and the Lord encouraged him. But if he would have remained right there, it would have not have been good at all. Have you ever remained in a place too long? And you kind of know it. You kind of just kind of sat on your laurels or whatever. You kind of just sat back and, and you, you just kind of said, okay, I'm right here for, oh, man. I, uh. And you realize it after a while. You know, at, at one point, uh, my wife and I came off staff at a church. And, and about a year, we stayed at that church for about a year after coming off staff. And then finally, we, we, we moved on to another church and found another church that where we could start stepping back in and serving because we felt like it, it was time. And it's hard to do that in a church that you... You were on staff and you were involved in so many different places. So we really wanted to, to get back involved. And, and we, we got involved in that church. And then come to find out there's like five different pastors sitting out in the congregation that have been all been burned out and been raked over the coals and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and part of me understood that. Part of me understood what they were going through. And then the other part of me says, well, how long have you been setting out here? You know, I mean, it comes a point where God goes, okay, now time to get up. Time to get working, time to do this or time to do that. Serve me, you know, and, and we need to be doing that. It, it's good to be fearful, but, but once the Lord encourages us, we need to get up and, and, and go. In chapter 3, verse 7, 
Thank you, Lisa. Private conversation between him and God. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. This is huge coming from the Lord. I'm with you just like I was with Moses. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Now an insecure man is going to say, uh, what right here? Today the Lord's going to exalt me and show you in, in His eyes that I am the leader and you need to follow me. That's how, I mean, that, you know, I'm the leader, guys, and, and God's going to prove it to you. That's not how it happens. He says, this is how the Lord, or how you will know that the Lord is living uh, God, or I'm sorry, this is how you will know that the living God is among you. Do you see the work of God is doing in Joshua's life? Do you see the maturity that's coming from this? It's the same work that he's doing in our lives if we allow him to. Teaching you, you know, your, your, or taking your fear of everything that you were afraid of. You know, what are you afraid of when it comes to serving the Lord? Teaching children? Oh no, I could never do that. Junior hires? You know, I, I look at, I, I talk to elementary teachers or, or young uh, teachers, and I'm just going, no, that tests my patience. I used to be a junior high pastor. I could run with them all day long. I guess I, that's where my mentality is. I don't know. But I'm, and I get elementary teachers going, oh, no, I cannot deal with those junior hires. You know, what do you fear? Where, where does the Lord want to stretch you? What, what area does the Lord want you to serve in? Being an elder? Serving in, in maybe worship ministry, children's ministry, coffee ministry. What, what do you fear? Where does the Lord want to use you into this world? Going on a mission trip? You know, we got canceled this past summer. We're going to be talking about it, about what we're going to do the, you know, going forward. And as long as uh, it's safe and so forth, we'll start that back up when the, when the time comes. But God has taken your fear of everything that you were afraid of and takes it away. And mold you and says, do not be afraid. God will give you a God-given confidence that makes, you, that makes it not about you and makes it about him. Joshua is secured by God and not the people of Israel. Our security needs to come from God and not our circumstance. Your security comes from the Lord, not what's going on around you. Now, this part of Joshua is, is a guy part. You know, the walls are falling down. We get to Jericho. The, the, the men are in battle. But the strength, they actually come from the Lord, not their masculinity. And we'll, we'll know about that later. But the Bible says that some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. But we will depend on the, Lord, the name of the Lord our God. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord our God. And this is how the Lord wants us to move ahead individually. This is how the Lord wants us to move ahead in our marriages, in our businesses, in our jobs, in our homes. Well, verse 10, it says, and you'll have to back that up, Lisa. Verse 10, it says, Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. 
The people hurried over. Verse 11, as soon as all, the, all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while the people watched. Uh, <clears throat> we, we, since we, you and I weren't there, we don't understand quite how powerful that statement is. As soon as all of them crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while the people watched. You see, because down in the river, they were being rushed through. They wanted to see the ark. Remember, they, the, the ark's been where? In the Holy of Holies. They wanted to look at it. They wanted to see it. But, but they, they were trying to get through the river. They didn't know when the water was going to come back. So they finally get to the other side, and they're all clamoring to see it. Honey, look at that. I mean, all the eyes would have been on the ark. Verse 12, it says, The men of Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manassas crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites, and Moses, as Moses had directed them. In verse 13, about 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel. And they said to Joshua, command the priest carrying the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And the priest came up out of the river carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner they'd set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their places and ran at flood stage as before. I mean, the priest got close to the edge. And who else did they get close to? The people. Here the priests are trying to get to shore and the Lord is allowing the people kind of to get a little closer to him. And just as the priests come up out of the water, here comes the water crashing back through. Can you imagine the sound of the river? I mean, we like ominous names. You know, uh, I've gone up uh, uh, rafting on the north fork of the American River. Uh, or is it this? Ah, I forgot which one, but it goes up near Folsom and, and stuff. And we used to take our youth groups up there and, and run rafting trips and all that. And, and they got Devil's Slide and they got this ominous name and that ominous name. I mean, imagine the water coming through and crashing. And, you know, and the guys, their feet, where are, the, where are their feet right now? In the promised land. And who is at the center? The Holy Spirit. He's right there with them. He is our creator. He is our healer, our provider, our comforter, our savior. He is our leader in the midst of the people. And they're enjoying this moment. God wants us to enjoy these moments with him. When you get to the promise that God has promised you, you need to enjoy it. I mean, look out, Jericho, because, you know, if you could see the satellite image of this, you know, you got the trampled ground, you got the river flowing, you got, you know, the monument in the middle and the ark of the people, they're, they're surrounding it, you know, and there's dancing probably going on and celebration going on. And, you know, the other tribes, the other nations that are around the area, they're trembling with fear. And I promise you one thing, he will bring you through whatever you're going through. And he is going to do that. He will get you to that promise, even if he has to open up the river to do it. He's going to pick the Jordan for you, and you're going to have to cross it. He's going to pick the promised land that you're going to go to, and you're, you're going to have to go through it. But he's there with you. You're going to look at it like it's impossible. But then you're going to have to get your feet wet. And you see God's presence 
in the middle of the river of whatever you're going through. Look for it. And when you get to the other side, guess who is with you? God is with you right there. He is there. That's the amazing thing about God. Well, let's pray as the worship team comes back up here and leads us in a last song. Lord, some of us, we have rivers that we're going to have to cross. We have things in our life that, that we know you have a promise out there for us, but, but we look at the impossibility of the flooded river in front of us, and we just say, Lord, you're going to have to do it for me. Show me the way. Show me the way. Lead me in that way. Lord, I will follow you. And that is what we truly have to do is follow the Lord. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be back today to worship you as a group. We thank you for those that have joined us online, that they could be here with us. We pray that you continue to bless us. Bless our churches in this area. Bless our community. Let us be a light. Let us be a beacon to this darkened world. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you. And may he never turn from you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.